So, I guess while Aaron's off in the bathroom, and we're still recording on this session, Mike, did you want to talk about that other Sonic movie we watched? You mean the best Sonic movie that has ever been created? Right. At least until the other one hits home video. Because that's the only thing keeping it from being perfect. I feel like this is a great moment for us to dive in and indulge in the best Sonic movie ever created. Until this new one hits Blu-rays at your local Best Buy. This movie was released back in 1996 in Japan. And it took the US about three years to get it licensed and released and dubbed over here. I was going to say most of that three years had to have been translating the word-dense script. Particularly trying to find a cast of characters to fill the plethora of roles that there are. Let me go through the character list. We have Sonic the Hedgehog. Julia White. Tails. Miles Prower. Julia White, again, but he does a slightly different voice. Knuckles the Echidna. Ooh, clearly that has got to be Julia White. And then everyone is going to recognize Dr. Ivo Robotnik. They were forward thinkers and got Jim Carrey to voice this one. We also have, quote, Hyper Metal Sonic. Well, duh. This is Jim Carrey pretending to be Julia White impersonating Sonic. And then we have the president. Uh, It's a toss-up. Julia White or Jim Carrey. The president's daughter, Sarah. Yeah, no, that's got to be Jim Carrey. Finally, we have Old Man. Randall the Candle. There's only one man for that job. Really, at this point, other than any of the few incidental, almost background robots that there are throughout the film, I'm getting ahead of myself. How about we start at the beginning? So the movie opens up with the iconic Sega title screen but soon moves you into an atmosphere a room or area full of darkness as dr robotnik starts to talk about his devious plan to take down sonic talking to a creation that at first is sort of obscure and we quickly realize as he announces it is his hyper metal sonic that is almost complete it only needs Sonic's life data, and then it can go on to kill Sonic. Forewarning, children. I never understood why he called him Hyper Metal Sonic. I think a lot of the problem with the dialogue in this film is probably that it was so directly translated that it's either there was some sort of adjective to Metal Sonic, or maybe they just needed to fill the sound space in it now that i think about it i can't remember if robotnik's mouth was moving within frame for them to feel the need to fill that but he'll call him that a couple more times he really loves using the full name for hyper metal sonic the scene transitions and we see a floating piece of land in the sky first knee-jerk reaction 
could have been that that maybe was Angel Island, but we start to realize soon enough that a lot of this setting is unique and outside of previous understood Sonic lore. As they close in on the island in more detail, you see that Sonic and Tails take residence in what seems to be almost a Bermuda Triangle of crashed aircraft, including a Boeing 737 and the Starship Enterprise. How did Sonic the movie know in advance that Boeing 737 Maxes would be grounded? It's like Nostradamus here. Definitely ahead of their time. Really loving the lore. Actually, if you want to go into that, I did read a little bit more into the backstory of the film and how their planet and existence works. But from my understanding, at some point, humanity ruined the planet so much that it became covered in a non-penetrable smog and pollution. And humanity took to trying to find the tallest peaks of the planet to get back to where they could see the sun. And eventually they found a way to make those land masses float above and kind of moved all of civilization up into that upper strata. So you're saying that we need to cut the tops off of mountains now so that we can have them available when we need to float above the cesspool that will become the actual bottom side of the planet. Yes. Where evil Robotnik will create an evil robot Robotnik to do nice things for people, like share clothing that someone else wants to wear. So we're introduced to Tails really quickly after we zoom in on that island part, who is trying to show off a kind of water jet board. Sonic disregards him. In a very rude way. And Tails goes out to venture into the water and, you know, at first seems to be having a lot of fun. But as anyone who has seen any animated Sonic stuff, they know Tails can't be separated from Sonic unless he's in trouble. In this case, he soon is calling for help as he's being chased by a flaming aircraft. Tails manages to ask Sonic for help flying over the two bicker after Sonic, having ignored him, wishes he would just shut up. Well, I'm pretty sure Denethor of Gondor shut up as he was chased by flames. Just not a flying owl dude in a spaceship. You know, Denethor, steward of Gondor, is definitely my favorite character in Sonic 3. He has such a bright storyline. If you get all the Chaos Emeralds, it's really easy to spot him when he's falling off of Minas Tirith. (laughs) The two of them bicker, tails basically shouts that Sonic's no help and then goes off to try and save the old man. And the old man being just a kooky looking old owl. Blind as not an owl. It's flying an aircraft that he was unaware had engines that had caught on fire. Tails manages to steady the aircraft, but it's too late as the thing is about to slam into a mountainside. Thus prompting Sonic to come to the rescue and pull them both out of the aircraft right before it crashes into the side of a cliff. He is very nonchalant about saving the two of them after he was very frustrated with being asked to help when Tails needed it earlier. So continuing to fill the trope, the kooky old man also apparently doesn't have very good vision. 
mistakes Sonic for some of the flowers that are nearby, which are obviously designed to sort of look like Sonic anyway. Or maybe Sonic likes to do his spines, hair in the style of wildflowers. There's, uh, you could read into this either way. He informs them that he was there to tell them that the president needs to see them at his presidential manor immediately. Beats front property. Sonic and Tails take off, leaving through a high-tech entrance that has one of those launchers that you'll see on aircraft carriers, just meant to basically bring them up to flying velocity without having to run a whole runway. They shoot off in the plane they call the Tornado, which is another canonical thing for the Sonic universe. And they wind up going to the presidential palace. You get a small glimpse of a very high-tech, very advanced-looking city right before going to this large span of land where the presidential mansion seems to be. Sonic goes in to whatever the president's office would be and addresses him only to find that it is instead Dr. Robotnik who is sitting in the chair, slowly revealing it is him and assaulting him with robots. This seems like a strange juxtaposition for what he is about to ask of Sonic and Tails. Let me fight you and then ask you to save me. Maybe that was plan A. Maybe he thought that would be easy enough. The president calls for Sonic to stop as Sonic and Tails realize that Robotnik is indeed holding the president and his daughter Sarah hostage. Sarah, the only actual sociopath in this film, (laughs) cries for help. (laughs) Save me, daddy! And then when offered the choice of saving the planet or having everyone die, that's when she's all like, forget about everybody else in this room, Sonic. Please, for us. So Robotnik explains why he's there, saying that an evil metal Robotnik had taken over the city that he ruled in the Land of Darkness, basically overthrew him and took over everything. There also is a large generator in the city that produces energy but has no way to dissipate it. And within a few days, all of Planet Freedom will essentially be destroyed. This explanation seems to have bored everyone else to sleep. Only the explaining that the planet would explode finally gets everyone's attention. And our favorite psychopath, Sarah, upon hearing that Sonic isn't interested in helping, I would say tries to seduce Sonic to helping. (laughs) I will accept that statement. Doesn't she say something to the equivalent of forget about them, do it for me? Yes, she definitely tries to use... Whatever wiles she has, be it money, physique, femininity. Built like a broomstick. Built like a princess with giant coffers, you know, in a kingdom, that stuff. Robotnik offers to lend additional aid by giving Tails a sort of navigating watch. And the two of them leave. While on the tornado... Sonic questions whether or not they should have taken help from Robotnik in the form of that watch, saying it could definitely just be a bomb or something. Which honestly would have been 
a pretty good plan B. Tell me about it, and we will reconnect with this moment later, and then another time later. Er. Which Tails just disregards as like, no, he wouldn't do that. And Sonic's like, yeah. It seemed more like Tails was saying, I don't have any other choice, because this thing's the only way for us to get to the city. But he also did kind of like unintentionally forget about it. Just, well, I need this to get there, so we don't have any choice. So the two of them fly into this vortex that leads them into the land of darkness. The tornado winds up crash landing, and we have what I like to call a running sequence, where visually it's entertaining to watch, but as far as any substance, this is mostly just paying off in terms of fan service. This is all of the action sequences and snippets that you would want to see out of a Sonic film. Him running, him moving fast, the spring platforms, a few references to certain enemies. The loop-de-loops that you always want to do but can never get right because you're not running fast enough in the game. A lot of that happens. And then Sonic questions whether this is actually the best path, questioning Robotnik's method. Tails reassures him that the navigator says that this is the quickest route and points out they're about to enter a warp zone. But look, there's a wormhole. I mean, warp zone. So they go through this thing and pop out at the other end into a ruined city, which for some reason they keep referring to as relics rather than ruins. It may be another rough translation happening because relics tend to refer more to smaller or more important objects. I let them have it. They enter the city of relics. I would like to pose an idea. The translator they hired claimed to have conversational language skills in the original language for translation into English, but they merely had a English to language translation book and were just doing the cheap version because this script was oh so dense. In the president's manner, Robotnik and Sarah are playing a video game which Sarah quickly gets bored of because she keeps losing. And she then tells Robotnik that she wants to go on a drive. I liked her threat. It was, take me on a ride or I stop being your hostage. He summons this weird machine that like just crashes through the ceiling. She jumps into the pod. He's obviously trying to fend her off while she presses all sorts of buttons and they disappear. Back in the City of Relics, We're introduced to Metal Robotnik, who at first appears kind of menacing and obviously does seem to be a bit of a threat as our heroes can't actually seem to hurt it effectively enough, but they do make a fool out of it, making it hurt itself. Ah, the old punch yourself in the face trick. Quit hitting yourself. Quit hitting yourself. Quit hitting yourself. They try and escape going down several highways but Metal Robotnik is able to keep up rather easily as it has been equipped with wings and jets. Clearly, evil robot Robotnik is into self-modification. Metal Robotnik eventually corners the two by shooting out a bridge, and Sonic and Tails are apparently incapable of swimming. He runs them off of the bridge where they manage to hold on to part of the wrecked bridge near the bottom, but essentially fake their own deaths. 
Now, at this point, they think they're about to get away, but it turns out Metal Robotnik was not so easy to lose as he chases after them again. At this point, everyone's favorite non-Sonic character, Knuckles, pops out of the ground looking over the horizon to the city of relics and realizes that there might be something going on i don't know what kind of animal he is but he has ears like a bat back in the fight with metal robotnik and sonic and tails metal robotnik starts to use an adhesive substance to keep them from moving first trapping tails while Sonic manages to do the most damage to him by redirecting one of the missiles that have been shot back at him, Metal Robotnik still manages to glue Sonic to the floor. And at the point when everything seems to be about lost, Knuckles, of course, comes to the rescue, getting Tails free. Only to get stuck himself. Exactly. But of course, then Sonic gets freed, and the combination of the three of them basically alley-ooping Sonic into the sky as Metal Robotnik tries to get away, just sort of spin dashes through that egg. That makes me frustrated because at first they couldn't beat him up, but then magically Sonic is able to chop off his hand and slice him in half. I'm gonna say plot reasons, but also maybe the missile that he exploded on him had damaged the structure enough that he could crack through him the rest of the way. I'll accept plot armor. Knuckles threatens to be done helping them, but ultimately winds up joining them as they look upon the twilight of the day and see the lights appearing over Robotropolis, not too far away. Just another Tuesday night for Sonic the Hedgehog. Also, another sign of Robotnik's ego as the lights kind of make an outline of Robotnik. The three of them go and start to infiltrate it. Knuckles separates momentarily to take care of some enemies that are firing on them. Then Sonic and Tails reach the generator. Momentarily, Tails forgets he can fly as they run on this treadmill trying to get the switch on the generator. And Tails manages to latch onto the lever, unable to pull it. Sonic remembers he can move faster and leaps and helps flip the switch. Bum, bum, bum. So this turns out to be a trap as Sonic, being the closest to that compartment, gets locked into the generator, which turns out to be the machine that's copying his life data. Again, this movie not being very clear, which will become increasingly clear to the viewers what exactly it is doing to him. The machine crashes into a crater as Knuckles manages to save Sonic and the three of them look down at the crater as a glowing mass of energy, which is hypermetal Sonic, appears before them. He becomes active, but at the same time a mass of wisps start to collect near the crater as a maniacal laughter comes from it and who is it but apparently a ghostly visage of metal robotnik being brought up from the mass ball of energy crater this is quickly found out to be a fake as you see more of his minions are basically holding up and holding together the wreckage of the previously defeated metal robotnik and we find out that sarah and robotnik are inside of the thing and had been all along she was in on the plot all along 
You know, it wouldn't have surprised me. But at the same time, she was easily pacified by just being told that she would go on this drive. At least until now. Robotnik commands Hyper Metal to kill Sonic, and the two of them do a fighting. Fight, fight, Sonic fighters. Fighting, fight, 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 fight. In the midst of all of that, Tails and Knuckles manage to escape without Sonic. Tails, realizing something that we haven't come to full knowledge of, decides that the two of them need to escape without Sonic. They need to get the tornado and get out of there. Sonic manages to fight Hyper Metal Sonic all the way out into the wilds of the Land of Darkness, and he gets seemingly taken out. Everything kind of fades out, and we eventually find out that Sonic did survive his fall. Back at the Land of the Sky, we find Metal Sonic approaching the wreckage home grotto island thing that Sonic and Tails live at. And he seemingly menaces the old man. He is clearly up to no good with those beady red eyes. So Tails and Knuckles arrive the next morning to find the old man dressed in hot new threads. What? You mean he didn't get injured by Hyper Metal Sonic? No, if anything, he got what Tails says is Sonic's favorite clothes, which is very 90s-ish cap ray-bans and a skateboard so you're telling me this quote-unquote hyper metal sonic instead of doing something evil did a very generous act and gave the old man a new set of threads and said keep it have fun so this reaffirms tails's theory that there might be more of sonic in metal sonic than leads on and he goes quickly to work meanwhile the president decides to call sonic and tails's home base Instead, getting a hiply dressed old man and Knuckles, which you see, even old man is better with Knuckles, being told not to bother Knuckles while he's trying to work. The two of them go back and forth for a little bit, and then Tails shows up, and they begin to give us more exposition. So here, just to kind of further mess up at least my perception of how this planet works, is that there is a weak point, and as Knuckles explains... The land in the sky, while it is above the land of darkness, has glaciers which are connected to lava lines that travel throughout the entire planet. If a specific point in this glacier is to break, the lava will have a chain reaction that will destroy the land of the sky. Wait, wait, wait. So you're telling me... If they break this, the continents will be flung into space... Just like someone taking a plate and spinning it really, really fast. Apparently. On their finger. All the food just goes right off the side. What is this? A flat freedom planet? Tails then closes the exposition off by saying that Sonic can't find this out. Which is the very same cue that Sonic needs to appear to have heard just everything. This further fleshes out how this link worked. As we find out that the reason Sonic can't know this is because Hyper Metal Sonic will know the moment he does. And this is proven immediately as their tracking figures out that Metal Sonic has corrected course to the glacial shelf. What do they call it? Did they call it the North Pole? I do not recall what they called it. It was not the North Pole or I would be making jokes about 
being really late on the Christmas spirit with this movie. All of our heroes go to the planet's backbone. This includes our not heroes, Psychopath and Eggman. While everyone is on the way to this glacial shelf, we see again that Robotnik has decided to pacify Sarah by saying he had a gift for her. It turns out this gift was a white outfit, which is a wedding dress. Yeah, it's not a wedding dress that you'd ever have your family see you get married in. So it is Robotnik's goal to destroy the remaining intelligent life in the land of the sky and become the last man alive and therefore sarah would have to marry robotnik clearly that fails sonic and hyper metal sonic both show up and start fighting each other sonic while managing to take the fight up and into robotnik's hovercraft thing manages to use his mental link to distract Metal and gets Sarah to think that Metal Sonic is a pervert. Now, I do need us to take a moment here. Not sure if you're going to get to it, but I have this highlighted because they're about to bring out Chekhov's gun again. Because Sonic, earlier on, questions the bracelet that Tails has. And then Knuckles, here, as they fly to help asks Tails the same question. Robotnik gave that to you. You sure you trust it? It's the only way I can get a hold of him. Oh, okay. We also see earlier on that he is working on it, but he's modified it to where he can access the balance and flow of how much of Sonic's personality is in metal. So I guess you just kind of have to accept it at this point. All of this mess manages to dismount Robotnik and Sarah as Knuckles comes in at the last minute and manages to catch Sarah from falling to her doom. Tails also falls and manages to land on top of Sarah, which for some reason Knuckles chastises Tails as being some sort of pervert himself. Really, really weird perception or representation of women, but... 90 strokes translated from a different culture into English. He was shot down by Robotnik uh, in the tornado. That's how he fell. The whole thing just seemed more set to make the gag. It seemed like a series of unfortunate events befell everybody in that moment. Sarah falls from the ship. Tails gets shot down. Knuckles slides after catching... They all tumble into each other. Robotnik almost steals her. And then Tails like swipes the group out from underneath Robotnik. And then boom, everybody's at the end of the hill in a snowball pileup. At this point, we realize that the fight between Sonic and Metal has started that chain reaction. Uh, as you see lava spewing out of different places. And Tails suggests that Knuckles might be able to stop this. But Knuckles seems reluctant. At least until he's seduced by Sarah. She is a bit of a seductress in this, like, ten second section. That kiss. Hoo-wee! Hot and steamy. So, Knuckles goes off and starts to burrow through different parts, which, okay, maybe it's strategic hole degree, and, like, maybe he makes side tunnels that make the tunnels where the magma is coming out of collapse or something i'm not sure i figured it was to set up the next gag he does a digging and gets his hat which seems to be his prized possession set on fire and was that the gag no no the later gag of 
them playing whack-a-mole bit with his head. Yeah, so I guess there is that. That's the only bit I could think of that would make sense for all of the work he did for one little lava spout to, like, funnel away from all the ice. Shortly after that, we see that Metal is getting the best of Sonic again, but Tails gets Sonic a chance by overloading the personality part of Metal, paralyzing him. This, for the moment, gets Sonic a bit of an edge. At this point, for some odd reason, the president decides to fly in and crashes into a a glacial bridge nearby them. Well, we all know why that happened. Because it had to. So now everyone is concerned about saving the president as his crash. I guess it could have been the old man flying the thing. I think it was. Now threatens to burn them alive inside the cockpit. Knuckles goes and tries to like bust the thing open. And again, Tails seems to be trying to help it while Metal and Sonic are fighting again to try and overload him, but is intercepted by Robotnik, who blasts the watch off of Tails' wrist before he could do anything about it. Now, what? You mean it wasn't a secret ploy by Dr. Robotnik to use the watch to do something dangerous? No, it wasn't. God damn. They really honed in on that watch, and I was keeping my eye on it. And meanwhile, it was Chekhov's gun that shot the watch off of Tails. No! The gun was a gun after all. A horse is, of course, of course, a horse, unless it's a gun with Robotnik. As they try to the last moment before the exploding craft goes kablooey, it seems like they were unable to save the president. But as it turns out, Metal, who had finally been overcome by a large part of Sonic's personality, was the one who crashed in the cockpit and rescues the old man and the president. There's an explosion, and the result of which finds Metal Sonic, basically Anakin Skywalkered at the edge of a lava pool. Oh no! That's what you get when you have the high ground. Sonic immediately tries to save Metal, and Metal reaches out and then bitch slaps him in the last moment yes and in what i could only assume is the system voice for whatever os runs metal sonic you hear it utter that there can only be one sonic as he falls and slips into the lava all terminator style except without giving the thumbs up the group save the planet and They all seem to be relieved slash celebratory, except for Sonic, who seems to be caught in lament over what happened. Robotnik goes on to talk about how he'll get revenge and build a better Metal Sonic next time, showing that he has a disc that has all of Sonic's life data in it. And then the slowest turtle joke ever lands its punch. Yeah, a missile that was the second missile that came out after the one that shot down Tails, which was a tortoise and a hare. The tortoise finally makes its way to a target, Robotnik. Sonic and Knuckles bicker, and Knuckles runs off, Sonic in tow, and this ends in the style of most anime, where everyone's running in one direction and laughing. Here was my take. Sonic, Tails, and Knuckles act like a bunch of spoiled brats, and a robot dies. Beep! It was fun and worth close to the hour that it was. Originally, it was released as two episodes, but when it was licensed for the U.S., they just stitched those together and made one quote-unquote film. 
it definitely seems like promotional material intended for some other form of Sonic media. Overall, I would say it was fun. It was worth the watch. When I watched this movie, at first I was like, I just need to get through this. So I put it on play 1.5 speed. Did not notice any difference in the movie. Total outcome. Or I should say the voices didn't sound absurd and it sounded like the movie was doing just fine even though it was technically running fast. With that, this movie turned out to be pleasantly surprising. Who would have known root beer would be so delectable? Who knew this movie would be entertaining enough to give me some chuckles? So you never watched this as regular pace? I watched the first five minutes at regular pace and then was like, no, 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 I need to watch this at one and a half speed. And I started from the beginning and one and a half speed. Were you not bothered by how nasally Sonic and Tails sounded? They sounded the same nasally sound normally as they did at 1.5 speed. So I was mostly going for the first 30 minutes of the movie. I actually questioned whether or not the script that they were reading from was somebody doing a mock script of the movie and dubbing it over the top. Like, this isn't what was actually written. Someone made a goof script and then produced the dub over. That's what I first got out of it. And then I realized it was the original script, and I was like, what? So Sonic sounded nasally, but also a bit hillbilly-ish? <laughs> yes. He did not sound at all like I anticipated. Tails probably sounded, on average, closer to his average character depiction. He sounded exactly like the little kid that he looked like. In the first few scenes... With Robotnik, it seemed like the voice actor was confused on whether they wanted him to sound (laughs) German-ish or not. Because they floated between a traditional-sounding Robotnik and his German cousin. Or he forgot which Robotnik was speaking at that time. Is this metal Robotnik? Is this regular Robotnik? Who cares? They'll never notice. Did you like how Knuckles... Sounded like he was from Australia, kind of. You know, I didn't pick that up so much. I was more weirded out by how he had that hat and how apparently he was into treasure hunting. (laughs) Hey kids, if you didn't know what Knuckles was about from any of the video games you've played, I'm going to go and do my favorite thing in the world, which is treasure hunting and finding things. Bye! You know, legitimately... I like that they gave him interest because even the later depictions of Knuckles in all other media, there's that weird I skip leg day Knuckles that they did with the Sonic Boom franchise. And he was just an idiotic meathead. But meanwhile, in all other video game media, has him be too stoic and his only concern is the Master Emerald. So I'm going to say this Knuckles is... A check plus on the pass-fail book of Sonic characters. I just really enjoyed how you got a sum up of everything that is Knuckles in one sentence. My hat? My hat is my treasure hunting hat because I treasure hunt. Why, yes, hunting them treasures. What I live for. What was I doing outside of this town before I saved you? Clearly I must have been hunting treasures because who else digs in the ground? Aha! Also, his gliding was sometimes just flying. 
I, I don't know. It just didn't. It seemed to just do whatever they needed him to do to be in whatever place he needed to be at the moment. <laughs> yeah. To save the right person at the right moment, to do the right thing, to keep the plot moving forward. But also they knew that Knuckles was too overpowered, so they added him very late. Tried to get rid of him multiple times, and he kept coming back. Yes, they kept finding reasons to write him off because they understand that, man, those fists, they would outdo anything. Those knuckles, man. Those knuckles. I think this is the most I've talked about knuckles in a long time. And then with Tails, I think they did a really good job at characterizing... It seems like Robotnik, too, was very keenly aware that Tails was into technology. He seems to infer that Tails should know or should be interested in what is going on. And of course, he is the one that figures out how to hijack metal. Robotnik gave them an object and didn't even booby trap it. Like, seriously, rule number one about being an evil bad guy, booby trap anything you give to the good guys. So he should have just planted a bomb in it and blown them up on the way. Yes, there's a lot of things he could have done better. Robotnik was... The quintessential bad guy? I would say Saturday morning-ish enough, yeah. Dumb enough to foil his own plans? Metal Robotnik was a cool idea as far as a machine uh, creation of his, I guess. And... It was a great patsy. Then Metal Sonic is your quintessential, highly marketable negative of the hero. Which, if you ever look into the Sonic franchise, they quickly replace him. He's supposed to be like, you know, the evil edgy Sonic. Which sticks around for like a couple of games in the game franchise. But I guess they got bored of him rather easily, so they replaced him with Shadow the Hedgehog, who essentially serves the same purpose and almost has the same origin. Except he wasn't created explicitly to defeat Sonic. But he uses the exact same mold as Sonic with different colors, so it's much easier to produce more toys. Well, actually, his spikes are differently shaped. No, I didn't know this. I don't know enough about the Sonic franchise. I would say I knew about the Sonic franchise. I played Sonic 1. I did not own a Sega Genesis as a child. I played at my friend's house, but he was not a fan of Sonic. Plus, Sonic was a one-player game. We golden axed things up frequently until he got the Sega Saturn, and we played the first first person shooter shoot 'em up game i ever remember in the new fashion not that duck hunt style like that area 51 shoot 'em ups mike would you recommend that either our listeners or aaron watch this i recommend that all of you go out find yourself a root beer pour yourself up a glass put two ice cubes in it put this movie on and enjoy 54 minutes of the best ride of your life. Or make it 1.5 speed, and it'll only be like 30 minutes of your time. And just as entertaining. Yeah, I'd say go ahead and pick this up. I give it a B plus or like an A minus. So, do you have any Sonic OVA related questions for the audience? Listeners, my question to you is... If we took the science behind how they perceive this planet working, would our continents already be flung into space? Or would a meteor toss us off 
if it was a plate because velocity and plates. I don't want to go out like the dinosaurs, yo. My question goes a little further back into the same region of science with this movie. With the threat of global climate change, do you think that Planet Freedom's decision to have everybody evacuate to the mountaintops would be a good choice? And let's assume that answer is yes. Now explain to me, how would you get the mountaintops to leave the surface of the planet and remain in perpetual stratosphere level altitudes? Shit, my first question is, how do you start making food? Because I need to eat. Well, why don't you go get yourself a chili dog? I'm hungry. Why would I get a chili dog? It sounds like Aaron's coming back. We better get back to recording the normal episode. Hey, Aaron, before you come back, can you get me a Dr. Pepper and a chili dog? Follow the hosts of Banter Banter on social media. On Facebook, at Banter BanterCast. On Twitter, at Banter underscore cast. You could reach Manny at Burgar, C-R-E. You could find Aaron at 8BitWizard. The 8 is Roman numerical. You can find me on Twitter at Mike8Time, the number 8. The podcast cover art was provided to us by Blaze Animator, based on original art design by at Bobbin underscore Goblin on Twitter. Our intro and outro theme is called... Bad Attraction by Brad Sucks off of his album title, I Don't Know What I'm Doing. Give it a listen or consider buying it.